Alex fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we have a good show for you guys this week. Uh, a lot of news for the Ducks. Uh, some injury news that uh, we didn't cover after the uh, the last podcast that uh, came out. And actually some stuff that's come up this week. Uh, some changes in the coaching um, a little bit that we'll go over. Also some draft stuff too, Eddie. So we have a few things to cover. Uh, we'll talk about the Stanley Cup a little bit as well as uh, Nashville and Pittsburgh battle it out. But uh, some changes and uh, some extensions, too, with the uh, the coaches, Eddie. It looks like uh, Randy Carlisle got an extension uh, for another year, 2018 to 2019, with an option to sign on for the following year. Uh, so it looks like they're going to keep him. But they also ended up letting uh, Paul McClain walk, and uh, they let his contract expire, and he's left the team. Yeah, and that's I think that was a little bit surprising more so than than Carlisle getting an extension. I think it was a well-deserved extension. You know, he had a great season, a, a good playoffs, obviously disappointing in the end to go out in the Western Conference final, but I don't think you can put all the blame on him. I think there was a lot of games that you know, he made some good decisions switching on the lines. We talked about it during the playoffs where, you know, he kind of changed the tide of the game by putting some guys together and and the Ducks ended up winning some of those games. So I think he deserves the extension, but you know, I think a lot of the the reason that McLean is gone um, is because of the the struggle for the special teams, especially this season and and definitely into the playoffs. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to win when your power plays uh, just above twelve percent in the playoffs. Uh, you know, nothing was going right for them on the power play, and and he has to be partially to blame for that. And I think it's a little bit disappointing that he's not going to be back. But you know, we'll have to see if either Yanni or Preston. Uh, will step up and take the the duties for special teams, or if they go out and find another guy. I think, uh, you know, it's it's going to be an important thing for them. Obviously, a lot of it falls on the team and, and and the players themselves for them to execute on the power play. But if you don't have a good system going, you're not going to get a lot of chances. So that, I think that's going to be a big th- thing for them to address definitely going into next season. Yeah, it was frustrating, you know, looking at the playoffs, uh, how the Ducks did on the special teams because they were, you know, pretty good during the regular season, but in the playoffs. They were uh, 7 of 54 on the power play, uh, like you mentioned in the 12% there, uh, which was uh, ranked 13th out of the uh, the 16 teams. And obviously all the teams don't play the same amount of games, but just based upon the teams that were in there, that's where they ranked. The penalty kill was at 76.6%, which was 14th of the, all the teams that were in the uh, playoffs as well. So really low uh, you know, on both those numbers at the bottom. And yet the Ducks still, you know, they almost made it to the Stanley Cup, Eddie. I mean, they were only, you know, uh, a couple games away there. They they were very close to forcing it, you know, a game seven, tying that game six up late. Um, so you have to think if the Ducks would have been a little bit better on the special teams, especially in that series against Nashville, we'd be talking about them playing the Penguins right now instead. Yeah, and, you know, a little bit better is five, six goals more on the power play, and those are five or six goals where – you know, it, it could be a game-winning goal. It could be a game-tying goal that leads to you, you know, eventually getting momentum and winning the game. And, and those are important goals that you need to score definitely in the, in the playoffs. And, and even the penalty kill at times wasn't that great. It picked it up later on in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, to have a power play near the bottom of the of the league in the playoffs and to make it to the Western Conference Final, I, I mean, that's that's surprising enough. And like you said, it, I mean, you have a couple extra goals on the power play, you could win a game that you needed to win. You could have win... Uh, game six or you could win uh, game five and, and then you're not you know you're not on the brink of elimination and and that's something the ducks didn't have and it's something they're going to have to address going to next season i'm sure they will obviously it depends on what players you bring in who's running the power play etc but i uh, you know the, the core is still there and i think you know this is a talented uh, offensive team and definitely missing guys like raquel and eaves had to factor into a poor power play during the playoffs as well yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Ducks are going to try and figure out what they'll do as far as the coaching situation of special teams. We don't know exactly yet. As you mentioned, Yanni and Preston are going to remain as the assistant coaches. Uh, Todd Marchant is going to still do the uh, player development and, and special projects. 
Um, so we don't know exactly who's going to come in. I mean, one name that, of course, <laughs> this name comes up a lot, and some people mentioned to us was Scott Niedermeyer, obviously one of the you know uh, greats uh, when it came to um, you know special teams play. But uh, we don't know if he wants to take you know more of an active role like we've seen before. He's you know been more on the back pedal and, and doing more of the things. Um, on, on, you know, on a more lower role, I guess you could say, um, not as involved. So I don't think he would be the one that would do it, even though, I mean, I think he would be great. So we'll have to wait and see, Eddie. But um, that's where we're at right now with the coaching situation. And the Ducks are going to have Carlisle at least for a little bit longer. And we'll go from there. And, and like you mentioned, it's it's about the team. And I know some people ask some questions, and we'll kind of talk about this too, about whether or not the Ducks are going to rebuild or, or try and um, – you know, do anything different. And I don't think they're going to really rebuild Eddie. I mean, they're pretty much keeping all the coaches the same. Obviously mclean has uh, gone, but in terms of uh, the players, I think the team's pretty much going to stay, you know, similar to what it is now. Yeah. I think it's a little early to talk about uh, rebuilding. I mean, I could, I can understand the guys are getting older, the core of this team. And you look at the beginning of the season, you say, well, I mean, we were all surprised to, to see them even make it this far with, with, uh, with the guys that we had. Um, but you know, I think Getzloff proved that he can still play. Um, you know, Kessler played great during the regular season. Didn't really show up a lot during the playoffs, but you know, he he can still you know fulfill his role for then for at least two or three more seasons. You know, obviously Perry struggled all season long. Had a couple big overtime goals in the playoffs, but he's going to need to step it up next season. But you know, I don't think it's a rebuild yet. Um, you know, the defense is one of the youngest in the league. Obviously, John Gibson's only 23. You've got young guys like Raquel and Silverberg in the lineup. Richie's young. You've got guys like Steele and, and Jones coming up uh, in the next few years as well. So I don't think it's a rebuild yet. Uh, maybe a retool, bringing in another young forward, hopefully in, in a trade that we'll talk about later on in the podcast. Um, that could help extend your window a little bit. But you know, it, it is closing. But, uh, no, our, our rebuild, uh, I don't think we're at that point just yet. Yeah, I agree with you, Eddie. And I think, like you touched on a little bit earlier, too, you know, not to make excuses for the Ducks, but, you know, injuries did hurt this team. You know, I know uh, Nashville's going to, you know, sit there and talk about Fisher and, and all these other things and how they, you know, had some players hurt. But, you know, the Ducks uh, had, uh, you know, no Eves in the Western Conference Final, no Raquel for uh, Game 5 and 6, and pretty much Gibson, too. I mean, they lost him early in Game 5, and, and we all saw, you know, what happened there when uh, Bernier came in. So, the injury bug has kind of been a big thing with this team. When we had our last podcast, we talked a little bit about it, but all these injuries came out after the fact. So um, obviously, you know, most of you listening have heard all of these already. There are some updates that we can give you that um, are, are new, but some of the things that we, we heard, of course, was uh, Raquel had a high ankle sprain. That's why he was out. Um, we heard about Patrick Eves. He also had an ankle sprain and a bone bruise. So that was the things that kept him out. And I, and from what we heard, he tried to get back out there a couple different times, Eddie tried to push it and had some setbacks. So I think unfortunately he just, you know, we wanted him out there. Obviously he wanted to be out there, but he just wasn't at that level where he could go out there and not, you know, um, be like a handicap to the team. Yeah. And really, uh, I mean, you don't want a guy out there who's not 100% or, or can't play close to being 100%. Obviously, you know, a big story of the playoffs was Eric Carlson going out and playing with two hairline fractures in his foot. But he looked like he was still able to play. Obviously, he probably had a lot of uh, painkillers going for his foot, so <laughs> he wouldn't be able to feel any of the pain. But, you know, if, if a guy doesn't feel he's ready, there's no point in pushing him out there and, and you know, risking the fact that he might get more injured. And I think, obviously, it sucks that for Eves, the fact that he's an unrestricted free agent, it's going to be tough for the Ducks to bring him back. He was having such a great season, gelled well with Getzloff, and you know I think they really, really could have used him. But again, you, you don't want to push a guy and, and injure him more, and and you know make the recovery time even more for this guy. So I think it was the right call for him not to play. It's disappointing, but you no, know, yeah, I mean the injuries just kept coming. It was it was Eves and Raquel, and then we hear about Bieksa and Gibson and and Vaughn and, and Lindholm, and it just seemed to keep piling up after the the playoffs had ended. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. You know, Bieksa had a torn MCL. I mean, I mean, and he's you know got back out there still for some of those games. Gibson had the hamstring injury, you know, affecting his uh, lateral movements. Thompson with a hairline fracture. So you had all kinds of guys playing with all kinds of injuries, and obviously. Nashville does too, and they're not going to announce until their thing's over. And I'm sure Pittsburgh does, just like every team does. They all have injuries, but it just seemed unusually high for the amount of 
players the Ducks had hurt. And we recently uh, heard from uh, one of the Swedish newspapers that Lindholm had his surgery and it went well, but now they're saying the recovery time for Lindholm, instead of being four to five months of rehab, Eddie, they're talking about five to six months, which is very unfortunate because based upon that timeline, he wouldn't be back to probably November at the earliest uh, of the next season. Yeah, and, and hopefully you know it goes well and the time shrinks. Obviously, it's not set in stone that it's going to be five to six months. Uh, a lot of times you hear a guy's going to be out for an entire year and then he comes back for playoffs and, and, and whatnot, and you know, I, I think, uh, you know, he's got the whole summer to, to prepare and get ready for next season. And, you know, hopefully it, cut, it cuts his time down and he's ready to go in October. Um, if not, then hopefully it doesn't it doesn't extend into the six months and go into to December. Then you're missing him for at least 20 to 30 games. And, you know, that's going to be difficult for the Ducks to replace him, especially the fact that we're going to have to trade either one of Votnin or Fowler or Manson. Um, to avoid them getting picked up by, by Vegas in the expansion draft. So it's going to be tough to replace those guys. Obviously, you know, we've got uh, Theodore who could step in. Uh, Montour is most likely going to play next season as well. And you've got to remember, too, you've got a guy like Jacob Larson who played a couple games at the beginning of the season with the Ducks. He's always a guy that could step in and fill a role. And, and you know, he's got another year of experience under his belt in the Swedish uh, Hockey League. So it'll be interesting to see if he can come in for, for however many games Lindholm is out. Uh, and, and play a significant role for the Ducks. Yeah, and, and you know, some people asked about Larson this last couple of weeks too, and you know, there's a good chance that he can make it too because the way things are going now, um, and we'll go into the draft in a little bit, but uh, you know, the Ducks are going to have to look at moving some people around. You and I have talked about this a couple times uh, on the podcast, and another thing affecting it is, you know, Lindholm had his uh, surgery this last week, but so did Botten. And initially, when they had said Lindholm was going to be out four to five months, uh, Bob Murray was saying Vatnam was going to be out longer. So I don't know what the recovery time exactly is going to be for Sammy, but it's probably going to be five or six months at least, too. So the Ducks are going to have to try to figure out something here, Eddie, because if they want to move uh, you know, Vatnam, it's going to be interesting because he may not be able to play for you know, the first month or two of the season as well. Yeah, and and from you know what we were all suggesting, we thought that maybe uh, that could hurt his trade value. Obviously, with the guy not being available, possibly for the first month or two of the season, that that's going to be difficult for a team that is in win now mode, and, and they're going to want him to be available at the beginning of the season. And like I said with Lindholm, you know, there's still a chance that he could have a really uh, progressive summer and come back and be ready for October, but. You know, there was an article that TSN released the, the other day, and and you know, and uh, I think LeBron also said, you know, it doesn't look like um, Vatnin being injured is really affecting his trade value. Teams are, that were interested are still interested, so that's good news for the Ducks. Uh, and you know, I think they eventually still move a defenseman uh, if it is Vatnin. I don't think his injury really hampers that fact. Obviously, it plays a little bit of a role, but I don't think it. You know, a team that's going to be trading for him. Uh, is going to have him for the next three or four seasons anyway with his contract at a pretty good cap at uh, just under $5 million. So you know they're investing in him now and in the future as well. Yeah, and the word on the street that I heard, and, and obviously this isn't official or anything, but it sounds like the Ducks are listening uh, to other teams as far as you know making offers on Botnet. So whether or not that gets done or not, uh, you know we'll have to wait and see. But it sounds like the Ducks are open to moving him which, you know, um, kind of talking about all our draft stuff, uh, you know, a lot of people have questions about that. But we've gone into this the formula, obviously, that we're looking at the Ducks doing the seven forwards and three uh, defensemen. If the Ducks are able to trade Votnin, um, and Bieksa waves is no movement clause, which that's uh, coming up here soon. In the next uh, couple of weeks, they're going to talk about the players that are going to wave for purposes of the expansion draft. But if the Ducks do do that, Eddie, then you've got uh, Lindholm, Fowler, and Manson hopefully be the three that you protect on defense. And then, like we said, um, you know, on offense, the Ducks obviously have to do Perry, Getzloff, and Kessler because of their no movement clauses. And then they'd be able to keep Raquel, Silverberg, and Cogliano. So uh, that would be you know great for the Ducks because they'd be able to keep most of the the guys. They might have to expose Ferment um, and a couple others, but 
you know, the core of the team would still be able to get through this draft, uh, you know, without really losing someone significant. Though, though, uh, Patrick Eves could be one of those to uh, go to Vegas. Yeah, you know, I think it, they're actually in a pretty good position if they they trade Vaughn. And you know, a lot of teams you look at them and they've got to expose some pretty good players, and there's not really any way they can work around it through trades or, or anything like that. You know, the Ducks even with protecting Perry, Getzlaff, Kessler, Raquel, Silverberg, Cogliano. You know, they still have that one extra forward spot that they can use if they do bring in an impactful forward for, you know, in a trade for Sammy Votnin or a trade for Cam Fowler or, or whatnot. You know, they still have that extra slot that they can use to that can go to that guy. And I think that's a, a huge advantage to have. Obviously, that gives you the opportunity to go out and get that forward. Obviously, then you expose a guy like Vermette. But, um, you know, I don't think that's a huge loss for them if Vegas does come out and get him. Um, you know, then you just go about and probably re-sign Nate Thompson and, and fill your fourth-line center role. So I think they're in a pretty good position. Obviously, it, like we were mentioning a couple minutes ago, the injury to Votnin does kind of hamper the situation. But you know, the Ducks have a lot of uh, a lot of room to to work around before the expansion draft, and I'm sure they'll be able to get something done. You know, and part of the expansion draft too is it's kind of unique, Eddie. Um, I'll let you go over the timeline of what's coming up for people, but. In the situation of, uh, say, Patrick Eves, say Vegas does want to pick him because he's an unrestricted free agent. If Vegas does take him, then that's the pick that they get from the Ducks. So that's kind of where they're at. And unfortunately, the way the timeline works, and I'll, I'll let you go into it right now, the Ducks aren't going to be able to re-sign Eves um, you know, initially. I mean, it, I don't know if they would be able to anyways with the money situation, but the way it works out, it's kind of a weird situation. But Vegas is going to have a shot at a lot of... Uh, ufas and um unprotected rfas yeah so this is really the the whole timeline for the expansion draft so on uh, june 17th the the teams will submit their protection lists um and then on june 18th the next day at 10 a.m those lists get released to the public we get to see who the ducks protected who every team protected and who's available for for vegas to to pick and then from then on, from the 18th to the 21st, this is what you were talking about here, is Vegas has the, the opportunity, uh, it's essentially a free agent window for them, where they'll be able to negotiate with uh, UFAs and, and unprotected RFAs, um, and say if they decided to, to negotiate with Patrick Eves, and they said, hey, okay, we're going to sign you, then that would count as their pick from us so they can't sign a bunch of ufas and then also still pick a player from us if they do sign an unrestricted free agent or a restricted free agent that counts as their pick from that team and that is the the three-day period from the 18th to the 21st um after that period ends also on the 21st vegas will submit their player selections and then later that day on the same day as the award ceremony their team gets released to the public so it's a hectic four or five days for for the the people and uh, for george mcphee and everybody uh, at the gold knights organization it's going to be a crazy few days for them and and selecting their team and and talking to a bunch of free agents and and, uh it's gonna be crazy and it's gonna be interesting to see who they pick and and i'm really you know i'm really excited to see their team this hasn't happened since i believe in 2000 was the last time it happened so um you know i was too young to really remember that so it'll be interesting to see how this process works and and who they end up getting on their team they look like they're going to be a pretty decent team and it's going to be interesting especially for ducks fans because uh, this is a team we're going to be seeing a lot next season because they're in the pacific division oh yeah road trip baby road trip to (laughs) vegas (laughs) that's what we were talking about we're actually uh looking into that too it's kind of funny you you bring that up i I forgot about it but we are looking into next year we'll see how the schedule works out but we may do some kind of a road trip event where you know we'll try to get tickets um you know group tickets whatever at some kind of price whatever and then you know maybe we can get a whole bunch of people to go out there which would be fun um you know we do the watch parties and whatnot throughout the season and and the playoffs and this may be another thing to add and you know just to hang out with all of you um as well which will be something to look for so we're looking into that and we'll check it out uh you know one thing i think is interesting too about this eddie is this whole window the 18th through the 21st because you know vegas is going to talk to some of these players but these players don't necessarily have to go to Vegas. They they can talk to them, but they might be like, you know what, I don't want to go to this new team. Uh, you know, I either want to go to the highest bidder or a contender or something like that. So I really expect a lot of craziness from the 18th to the 21st. Yeah, you could expect that a lot of the, the high-level free agents, a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, maybe even a guy like Patrick Sharp or Alexander Radulov, 
you know, that that they most likely won't go to Vegas. Vegas will have the option to talk to them, and I'm sure they'll go and talk to a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk. I think everybody will want to talk to a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk if they can afford him, and Vegas has the money to move around. Um, you know, they'll be taking on some contracts for sure, but they should have a significant amount of cap space um, anyway. So that will be an option for them. I, I honestly, I don't think it's a destination, but they have that time in the three-day window to convince him to go there. And, I, yeah, I think it, it definitely is an interesting situation. They have, you know, first dibs on and any of these guys if they decide that they want to woo them over and, and play in Vegas. Um, it's, it's a difficult task. You know, this isn't going to be most likely a competitive team next season. They might be, you know, they probably won't be bottom feeders, but, you know, they're going to be close to it, and it's going to be difficult for them to, to get a guy like Shattenkirk or Radulov or, or Sharp over to their side. You know, the whole expansion thing, I think it's just difficult in general, Eddie, because even like when you go back to the Ducks in Florida, you know, back in 93, and you go to the, all these other teams, is you're getting a bunch of players, and you're putting them on a team, and, you know, 90% of them haven't played with the other players. Maybe there's a couple that played on some teams together, whatever, but a majority of them haven't played together. So, you know, trying to get that team to gel together when it's just completely new, I just think it's extremely difficult, especially, you know, for the first several months of that season. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's obviously a lot that goes into it. Uh, I think, you know, a, a lot of these guys are, are they're professional hockey players. Don't get me wrong. They're going to go and they're going to play hockey. But you're right. It, it's getting a system that's going to work for you're literally getting one guy from each team that's played in. And arguably, they've all played in different systems. And now you've got to bring them all together under a new coach and, and get them playing all in the same way. So that's going to be difficult. And, and you're going to see that at the beginning of the season, especially the fact that this team's just going to be coming together on June 21st. Um, you know, it, it's a lot. To, to work to and we, we've seen it with the Ducks bringing in a new coach and they've struggled at the beginning of the season and, and most of those guys have been there for a long time so and you see teams who will bring in you know three or four new guys in free agency or through trades and they'll struggle at the beginning of the season you know, this is 30 new guys essentially uh, that you're bringing together and you're going to be playing in your lineup so it, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they work it out I obviously there's there's most likely going to be struggles at the beginning of the season but you know Gerard Gallant's a, a good coach and I think you know, uh, if they bring in the right group of players, they they could have a pretty good start here. Yeah, you know, and you talk about players and them uh, pulling, uh, you know, obviously they're going to have to look towards the minor leagues. And they announced uh, this week that their um, ECA, uh, ECHL team is going to be the Quad City Mallards. So <laughs> it was kind of interesting, Eddie, to see that team out there. Um, you know, I was re- referring to it as the Quack City Mallards, but uh uh, you would think that that team should be one with the Ducks. You know, maybe we give them the Grizzlies and then they give us the Mallards, you know, switch it around or something. I don't, I don't know. But it's just kind of interesting to see that there's that team down there. And <laughs> based upon the logo and the name, you would think somehow it would be connected to the Ducks, but it's not. It would have been cool for them to to make an effort to get uh, the Mallards as, as their ECHL team. But obviously there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. But, but yeah, Vegas has to to build their uh, their minor league system. They They – obviously announced earlier uh, about a couple of weeks ago now that the Chicago Wolves are going to be their AHL affiliate now that the Mallards are going to be their ECHL affiliate so they've got that all settled um I mean I still don't know how their AHL team is going to work out obviously they're going to be able to uh, you know they've signed three guys now I think uh is most likely going to play in the NHL uh they have Reed Duke and they signed a guy out of the Czech Republic a couple of days ago those guys will probably play in the AHL and then Shapachov will play in the NHL and then obviously not every guy they draft in the expansion draft is going to be able to play on their opening night roster so some of those guys will go um possibly some of the guys they draft in this year's draft but that's doubtful most of them will go back and play junior so I'll be interested to see how they work it out I'm not sure if they're sharing those teams with um the, the current teams, you know, St. Louis was Chicago. Chicago was St. Louis's AHL affiliate last season. I'm not sure if they're sharing the team or not. That'll be something we'll, I'd have to look into. But it'll be interesting to see how they work their system out this year. And then uh, with all this, when this gets you know ironed out, uh, basically on the 21st, as you talked about, then we go to the 23rd and the 24th for the you know the regular uh, NHL draft. And with that, uh, you wrote a couple articles. You talked about the Ducks' picks and who they might get. Uh, if you haven't read them yet, we've, you know they're on the, the website, um, thepucknetwork.com uh, slash Anaheim 
or you can go to uh, ducksandpucks.com. Either one will get you to the page. Um, and on there, there's a few articles that Eddie's uh, published, along with some of the uh, player reviews that we're doing. You know, we've been doing those every year, so um, those are um, been posted there as well. Um, and then looking in the draft, what picks do the Ducks have, Eddie? And who are maybe a couple players that you know the fans should kind of look out for and see if they'll get taken, you know, in the early rounds, either by the Ducks or maybe another team. Yeah, so the Ducks uh, obviously losing their first-round pick uh, in the deal for Patrick Eves. Now they draft at uh, two in the second round and one in the third round. That's the only ones I covered. I just covered the first three rounds. But they've got a pick at number 50, a pick at number 61, and then the pick at 92. And and I think there's still some good players. Um, You know, the draft this year is a, a little bit crazy. Really, after the first round, it can go anywhere. I've seen guys get ranked as high as is is early second round, and then in some mock drafts, they're not even they're undrafted or they're outside the the top 150. So, it's a crazy year this year. Um, you know, as for for that second, the first second round pick, number 50. There's a couple guys. Obviously, I have a whole list of them on the website, and you can check it out there. But you know, there's a couple guys that I think if they're available, the Ducks should take. And and one of them, I think, you know, the Ducks are definitely looking for forwards, uh, either goal scoring forwards or, or or good centers to to you know stock their system up. And I think you know a, a guy that they could look to is Philip Scheitel, plays in, in the Czech Republic. You know, he, he's a goal scoring winger. Uh, you know, very creative player. Uh, very fast, and and from what I've seen from him, you know, he has all the tools to to make the jump to the NHL. He just needs to add some more strength. So he's a couple seasons away, but he's a, a pretty good project, and and has some decent size that the Ducks could work with. And I think the other guy on that pick is if the Ducks, you know, it, it's it's probably more likely they won't go this route. But if they do decide to get a defenseman, uh, there's a kid out of Finland. His name's Robin Sallow. I think he's the exact type of prospect the Ducks need to have in their system. Obviously, we've seen, seen guys like Theodore come up and Montour come up, and they're more offensive defensemen. Now, this guy, a very solid two-way guy, but he, his defensive positioning. Uh, the way he reads the game, you know, he he's a very good defensive defenseman, great in his own his own zone. He's got some size. Uh, I think he's a good guy that they could bring in the system if they decide to draft another defenseman. But as we know, the Ducks are are usually the team to draft the best guy available, um, and I think more than likely than not, that would be a forward in the first round. Um, as for the the second round, next second round pick, sixty one overall. There's a, a ton of guys available here that that could be you know, ranked higher than, than they really are. Uh, there's guys ranked as high as 29, so in the first round, and then some guys are ranked as slow as 100. So, again, showing the parity in in, uh, in this draft. But uh, there's a guy out of Sweden. Obviously, the Ducks love the draft out of Sweden, but his name is Mark <laughs> Davidson, a really reliable two-way centerman. Um, doesn't have overly, you know, exciting offensive skills right now. Doesn't have, a, a you know, a really deadly hard, accurate shot, but, you know, he's got the tools to, to get to the NHL. And, you know, it's always great to see a guy come out and, and, and be a dominant two-way center before he's in the NHL. Um, and I think there's a, a real good chance that the Ducks could draft this guy. You know, he's ranked as high as, as late first round, so it, it'll be interesting to see if he's still available. But um, I think if he is, this is a guy they have to take. And then as for for the last pick in the third round, there's a there's a couple options I listed here, but I'll just focus on one. I think there's um, a kid out of uh, Ottawa in the OHL. His name's Austin Keating. Um, no, he he played great five on five, and and that's something you you love to see out of a, a guy in in his draft here. You know, a lot of guys will produce a lot of power play points, and their five on five is limited. But you know, he had 32 primary points. Uh, during five on five in the season, which is more than a couple first rounders and a couple early second rounders, and you know he played um, very well this season uh, with his teammate Sasha uh, Chmielewski in, in Ottawa, and, and you know they were really great, and they were the reason the Ottawa that made the the playoffs in the OHL this season. So I think he's a real late round gem that you could possibly get. Um, if he's available for the Ducks at their third round pick, I think they have to go for him. I mean, he he's only ranked as high as 77 at times, and uh, there's a possibility he could be available for the Ducks down at 92. So I think if he is, they have to go out and, and, and try and get this guy. 
So there you have it. Uh, you know, Eddie looked over a whole bunch of stuff. I appreciate the work you did. I know you went through a lot of stuff to come up with that article and put things together. So if you haven't checked it out, like I said, go on to um, thepucknetwork.com or ducksandpucks.com and you'll find the article. It's one of the more recent ones on there where Eddie goes through and he talks about some of those names that he mentioned. And there's little uh, charts that talk about, you know, where the players are born, their uh, physical, you know, attributes and whatnot, and then a little blurb about each one. So, you know, we're not saying that those will be the picks, but those are some ones that, you know, keep your eye on them. They may be ones that the Ducks uh, could be looking at or they may end up picking them. So um, there's that. As we talked about, we got the, the expansion draft, the regular draft coming up. A lot of stuff, you know, in this month of June. And, uh, you know, we'll move on to basically the last segment where, you know, this is the chance where you guys interact with us and you ask all these questions and we go through them. And Eddie and I either uh, debate or uh, agree on, well, usually agree on, but we talk about the stuff that you guys, uh, you know, want to talk about. So um, one of the questions we had, this is kind of an interesting one, Eddie. Uh, we talked about it before. Um, we had Matt, he asked about Paul Korea. And you remember when the Ducks were win- making those um, – orange crosses on all the uh, the numbers when they were winning the games in the playoffs that we got to see Korea appear and cross out the number nine, uh, you know, obviously. And so some of the people ask, you know, if we think he'll come back to the organization, uh, you know, if we'd like to see his number retired. So as far as coming back to the organization, I don't know if he'll do that, Eddie. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it was great to see him in the building doing that. And yes, I would like to see his number retired. Um, but as far as uh, having an active role with the team, I'm not really sure that would happen. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I, I mean, there's a lot of hostility between Korea and, and the NHL in general, and, and especially with the Ducks and, and some Ducks fans still. I know I know a lot of people have really turned the page and, and are welcoming him back, and a lot of people are happy to see him uh, come back in their video, and I was included in one of those. And, and you know, I, I really love to see him come back, but as... As for his number getting retired, I, I'm not sure. I think if anybody was next to get their number retired, I think it would have to be him. Um, an outside chance, obviously, to Jaguar, um, and then eventually, obviously, Getzlaff and, and Perry would be guys you would be talking about uh, down the road. But um, but for coming back and having a role in the organization, whether it be something similar to, to what Solani's done in the past or, or be an assistant coach or a scout or anything like that, I, I just I don't see it happening. It just doesn't seem to be what he wants you know this is the first time really i've seen him out in any kind of media uh in a long time uh, in any respect to to being involved with the ducks or with the, the national hockey league so that was surprising for sure i think it's a good first step but we're we're a while away from him having any significant role yeah i agree and i i was happy to see him and i think you're right a lot of people have turned the page uh, fan wise i mean obviously there's still some you know animosity but i think in general it, it's been you know a majority are more happy to see him so um we have uh, daniel here he asks about the uh kind of going to the expansion draft he talks about injuries i know some people have brought this up about you know how our players exposed and whatnot and he touches on obviously lindholm and botnan because of their uh, shoulder issues and and the surgeries that they had and he wonders if they're exempt from the expansion draft. And the answer to that, Eddie, and you know this, is no, they're not exempt. It's not really the injuries that matter. It's all about the games played and uh, whether or not they're under contract um, you know, for a certain amount of time. Um, so that's how it works out. It, it, it doesn't matter um, if they're injured or not. I mean, like you talked about, it may matter as far as the Ducks trying to trade people, but not as far as exposure goes. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, if they were injured uh, in the season and they – came up short if the games needed to play then then they would be uh they wouldn't be exposed but no i mean as of right now the the injuries occurred after the season they they've already filled the requirements to to be exposed for the expansion draft so if the ducks were to leave a guy like lindholm or vaughton and exposed vegas would be able to pick them up and, and i'm sure that's not something they want to do especially with all the rumors we've heard around trading vaughton and so no i do definitely going to want to protect lindholm and avoid uh, him getting picked up by vegas now, looking at, uh, let's see here, the next question we have is Greg talking about the playoffs. Uh, he talks about, kind of goes back to uh, Carlisle Boudreaux, that whole um, debate, and he wonders, you know, did um, Carlisle help the Ducks, you know, get to another level, not be as uh, complacent in the playoffs? And, and do we think that Boudreaux was part of the shortcomings, um, you know, responsibility for those in the previous seasons? And I, I kind of have a mixed thing. I mean, yes, I think Carlisle did come in and help the team, 
get them to a, a better level. I mean, obviously we talked about the shortcomings on special teams, but I think the thing that we, you and I had talked about way back in the beginning of the season was what kind of Carlisle were we going to get? Were we going to get the old Randy or were we going to get a new one? And I think we got a newer one that did study the game, did realize he needed to make changes in certain, certain things, and it did work out. So I, I think Carlisle did help the team in that regard. Um, and obviously the Ducks did win a game seven, um, you know, this year. And they had that crazy um, comeback on Catella, obviously with the three goals in the final three plus minutes of that game against the Oilers. So I, I agree with that. As far as uh, Boudreaux being the one to blame, I, I think with Bruce, I think the biggest thing is just the, those game sevens. I, I don't know what it was, but, um, you know, he'd only won one out of, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but seven or eight or so. And I just think that was the hard thing for him, Eddie. I, I think that's what, um, you know, was kind of a shortcoming. He's a great regular season coach. He's still a good coach in the playoffs. He just couldn't get over the hump. Yeah, and, and you saw it this year with Bruce, too, in, in Minnesota, the really underwhelming playoffs in the first round against the uh, against the Blues, and, and they end up getting eliminated. And, and really, it just seems to be a trend. And I, I it's hard to put your finger on what it is, but playoff success for, for Bruce Bruggio teams just, doesn't seem to be there i don't know why I, I you know it's it's hard not to put it on him with the amount of times that it's happened but you know for 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 randy carla i think he deserves some credit for for where they got this year obviously a lot of it has to go on the players and gets and and obviously uh general manager as well bringing in, in the guys necessary to make the run but you know carla is a big part of that and, and you know they really thrived under his system i think he made a lot of calls uh, with switching the lineup, like we mentioned earlier, and and you know he really did a good job, and and guiding this team to where they needed to go, and and you know they played an excellent game seven against the Oilers and and broke the curse, and obviously, and eventually injuries and 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 just poor special teams and, and a number of things caught up to them in the series against the National Predators, and they ended up getting eliminated. But I think he deserves a lot of credit, and and really I think um, it it's tough to blame Bruce for the shortcomings in previous years, but you know, we've seen it time and time again, the, the playoffs are a different animal for him and, and he seems not to be able to, to get past it. Yeah. And I warned those poor Minnesota fans. I told them, <laughs> I, I said, they're all happy when they got him. I said, I, you're going to be happy in the regular season, but let's see what happens in the playoffs. I mean, I honestly, but no, all kidding aside, I really wanted him to, you know, I thought Minnesota would do well and I wanted to see him do well. And it's unfortunate, but you know, like you said, um, the playoffs, another animal. So, um, let's see. We have a couple other questions here. A lot of people are asking about the goalie situation, Eddie, which, you know, you and I talked about this last week. Um, they're asking about who's going to be the backup. Is it going to be Enroth? What's happening with uh, Bernier? Um, uh, and, of course, that's still all up in the air. Um, uh, talking about playing also good in the regular season and not in the playoffs. Uh, that, that's what happened with Bernier this year. So it kind of falls on the same theme there. But, um, I don't know if the Ducks will bring him back, Eddie. I, I to me, uh, you talked about some of the other names out there that they could bring up. I mean, I'm happy with Enroth. I thought Enroth did great, you know, uh, for us down in San Diego. So I'd be happy to see him come up. But um, if if Bernier is gone and they don't pull up Enroth, uh, who are a couple of names that you would like to see? Maybe the Ducks try to you know look for as backups to Gibson. Yeah, I think Enroth is is an option, and we mentioned this last time. There's a couple guys, obviously, with Budai not being an option anymore. He, he's not really on the table, but um, you know, there's uh, Anders Nilsson who played for Buffalo last season. I think he's a, a top option for them. Had the highest save percentage of uh, of UFA goalies, uh, nine point two four, I believe. You know, Chad Johnson's a guy who's available. Um, if you want to go that route, I believe Brian Elliott's even a guy who's available, and he struggled in um, in in uh, Calgary this season. But we've seen what he can do in a team like uh, with the Blues, who have a solid defense in front of them. So there's an option in in him there. If he doesn't want too much money, you can have a, a really good veteran, established goaltender um, who's proved that he can play in 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 the regular season and in the playoffs um, as your backup. So he's an option there as well. And I I don't know if Calgary is going to go back to him or not. But you know those are some options there, and I think that there's a couple of different guys the Ducks could look at, and, and Enroth is definitely one of the guys on the table for them. And it, it's a, an interesting thing. Obviously, it's not the big headlines surrounding the Ducks right now, but I think you know it should be. It, it's something that they're going to need. Obviously, Gibson is the number one guy, and he's going to play the majority of the games next season. But what we've seen, you know, when the when he goes down, the Ducks need a reliable uh, guy to to fill the role. And, and Bernie did well during the regular season, and, and it's hard to to really harp on him, but. 
you know, when you, you look at that game six over and over again, um, it's tough not to blame him. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, 21-7-4 in the regular season. Um, you know, he comes in in game five when Gibson goes out. He doesn't play great, but he doesn't play terrible. You know, gives up a couple goals in that game. Uh, and then, like you said, game six, you know, and uh, he just, you know, four on four goals on 16 shots. And you got to sit there and go, what the hell? And, you know, the Ducks had, you know, pounded uh, Nashville in that game six with 40-plus shots and could have get it done. Um, it's unfortunate. And, you know, kind of interesting, Eddie. You know, there we've talked about all this hockey stuff so far. There's still the Stanley Cup final going on. And you want to talk about goalies not doing well right now. I, what in the world is going on with Rene? I mean, he's given up eight goals in the first two games, and Pittsburgh's up two nothing, Eddie. And it looks like uh, Pittsburgh's rolling. I mean, I think Nashville still wins some games here, but God, what happened to Rene? And where was this in the series against the Ducks? I know, and and really all throughout the the playoffs, his his save percentage has slowly gone down each series. It was amazing against Chicago. Um, then it was still good against St. Louis, still good against the Ducks, but going down. And now in this one, it's just way down. And in the first two games, I, I think he has under an 800 save percentage, which is just awful in, in the first two games. And he hasn't looked good. I honestly thought Nashville could have won that first game. Um, Pittsburgh didn't have a shot on goal for like 35 minutes or something like that. <laughs> something crazy yeah, like that. And, I mean, I thought they could have won that game, and, and he just let in a couple bad goals, and, and that's the story. And, and in game game two, it's kind of the same thing. They, they lose, and, and you can't blame him for, for everything, but he hasn't looked good. Save percentage hasn't been there. You know, he hasn't been the same guy that he was in, in all three series before this, and they're going to need him if they're going to win these next two games. I think they have to win these next two games at home. You know, Pittsburgh did what they had to do, won both games in, in Pittsburgh. Nashville's going to have to come out and win both these games at home, or they're going to be on the brink. And I think it's going to be very difficult to beat this Pittsburgh team three times in a row or four times in a row if you if they end up losing tonight. So, you know he's gonna have to come out t- tonight and and in the next game and and play out of his mind if they're they're gonna have a chance of getting back in this thing. So if you're Nashville, you're you're good with putting in uh, Rene again to go with Game Three. You you think that there's just yeah. no other choice. That's what I they got to do. I think you have to. I I mean he's yeah. played he's played all playoffs. You know he's had some bad games. Now I think this is the first time in, in the playoffs this year that he's had back back-to-back really poor games mm-hmm. um but you know we even against the ducks he let it you know there was a goal that uh he let in on richie where just like richie just launched it over his head and he just missed mm-hmm. there's a couple of bad goals in the, in the duck series too and he came back every game and played and obviously he played great in that series too but i think it's hard to, to put in a guy like uc sorrows I mean, he's a young guy you know, he had a decent regular season but I, I think it's very difficult to throw him in and be like hey here's your first playoff start in the NHL, it's going to be in a game three of a Stanley Cup final that we have to win. I, you know, I think that's I think that's difficult to do for a guy like that. I, I think Rene, I'd be surprised if he didn't start it tonight. Um, if you lose this game and he plays bad, then maybe we talk about UC Saros. I think you probably have to go with the the, the backup then. But as for tonight, uh, I'd be surprised if he didn't start. Yeah, I agree. I would still go with uh, Rene and Ned. I, I don't think you changed it out. It seemed like in those two games, too, that there was just these periods of time, you know, only maybe, you know, five to six or seven minutes where the Penguins uh, just poured it on. You know, in, in game one, it was the end of the first period, and they scored all those goals and and put Nashville on the back burner, even though then, like you said, after that, they, <laughs> they for whatever reason, Pittsburgh couldn't get a shot on goal in the whole second period, which is just crazy to me. And they still end up winning that game. And then in game three, it's one, or um, excuse me, game two, it's uh, 1-1 going into the third period. And then again, uh, Pittsburgh goes nuts. They score four goals in like five or six minutes. One of them gets taken away. But they still end up, you know, blowing out Nashville in that game. But overall, it's been kind of strange. It's been a weird two games, Eddie, because to me, Nashville hasn't played that terribly. It's just they've had these little lapses in time here and there. And then otherwise, they play great. But Pittsburgh being Pittsburgh, they've taken advantage we've seen that with the ducks too in the regular season uh, yep. i mean that's yep. there was a trend there we were talking about where we just couldn't understand how they were playing for five minutes yep. they stopped playing and you know the game against columbus where they they got scored on four times and there's a couple yep. other games like that during the regular season where they just played bad for about five minutes and the rest of the game they played great but they dug themselves such a big hole they just couldn't get back into it and that seems uh, to be the trend for these first two games 
uh, of the the Stanley Cup Finals for Nashville. And, and I mean, how do you get out of that? We didn't know how the Ducks would get out of it, and they just miraculously managed a way to not let four goals in in five minutes near the end of the season. Nashville's gonna have to figure it out on the fly here and 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 try and handle this this Pittsburgh offense, who are definitely taking advantage of their chances. The fact that they barely got any shots on goal in, in the game one. Um, and they took advantage of, of that, like you said, that five to ten minute period in the third period where they ended up getting four goals. So it, it's going to be difficult, I think. Obviously, everybody's playing well. Jake Gensel's a, an amazing story amazing. For, the, for the Penguins yeah. in the playoffs right now. He's playing out of his mind. Um, you know, obviously Malkin and Crosby are still playing well. You've got Kunitz who stepped up lately. You know, this is a, a very scary team off, on on offense. And I was so I'm surprised they made it this far. To be honest, I thought. Losing a guy like Latang at one point in, the, in, in the, the last series, losing Justin Schultz as well was going to be too much for them, and they've overcame. They've had some great goaltending from Flurry, and then and now Matt Murray, and their offense has, has pulled them through the you know through the the game seven against Washington, and now up to a two nothing series lead against Nashville. Yeah, part of it too. They're going to have to deal with. It looks like uh, Nick Bonino is going to be out too. You know, uh, Bonino took a, a shot off his ankle. Uh, in that game two on one of the blocks that he made. And they're saying he's a game-time decision, but they've seen him in a boot with crutches. So I'm <laughs> pretty sure he's going to be out uh, for game three, if not more. So they're going to have to adjust the lines a little bit like that, Eddie, and try to overcome it. But, um, you know, it, whether you hate Crosby or you hate the Penguins or whatever, I mean, I, I get it, you know, uh, how some people dislike the team. But you have to give them some credit. I mean, they've gone through all kinds of different things, Eddie, and – even when they have a poor game, like especially game one, they I don't know what it is with this team, but they are just are able to pull out the wins no matter what's thrown their way. Yeah, and we've talked about teams having injuries during the playoffs and, and how it's been too much. They've just seemed to, to battle through it. I believe Haglin was out for a, a decent part of the first part of the uh, the first the first round and maybe into the second round he was out at one point sherry was a healthy scratch crosby went down a couple games with concussions latang's been out all playoffs schultz was hurt for a bit there um murray was out for for the first few rounds obviously flurry played well but now he's back and playing well um it's it's insane what they've been able to do with the the you know, amount of man games that they've lost during these playoffs and, and significant players going down and obviously, you've seen guys like we just mentioned, and Jake Gensel who stepped up and played amazing. Malkin's been good all playoffs. When Crosby's in the lineup, he's played well. So, you know, they've got the super, the superstar power to to get them through. But, you know, kudos to them for for fighting through these injuries when a lot of teams have been struggling without their top players. So, with them up two uh, zero right now, what do you think? What do you think uh, the final will end up being? Uh, who will win, and how many games? Um, if Nashville doesn't win these next two games at home. Um, it's got to be Pittsburgh in in five or six. I I don't see Nashville being if you know if they lose tonight, it's over. I don't see mm-hmm. them being able to win four games in a row. If they win tonight and lose the next game at home, and, and Pittsburgh's up three one, you know they might win one game. I doubt they win two. And even if it goes to game seven, it's gonna be very difficult to win three games in a row, especially winning game seven in Pittsburgh. Uh, a lot of these guys. And on Pittsburgh have been there before. They've done that. They know how to win. Um, you know, Nashville has to tie this series up at two, or I think it's over. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Nashville's got to win tonight, which I, I know Subban guaranteed it. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> um, you know, you know, he's he's pretty fired up. But you know, Nashville does play very well at home. So I do think that they will come out and win Game Three. Uh, after that, uh, I agree with you though. They're going to have to win Game Four. I mean, they really need to win these next two games. If they lose one one of these two and they go down three to one, uh, you know, especially if they lose tonight, I mean, I really think Pittsburgh's going to take it um, in five or six games. So that's what we're looking at for uh, you know the Stanley Cup Final. Um, you know, obviously you got another week or so of hockey before it's over, but then we'll, you know, fire up all the stuff, uh, the expansion draft and all that kind of news, which we'll be covering, you know, we'll do the podcasts, um, kind of as the news comes out, we, we decided to do one this week just because of the coaching news. And then obviously all the injury news that came out after we did our last podcast, which (laughs) for some reason that happens a lot, Eddie, we post stuff and then all of a sudden all this stuff gets posted by the ducks after, but, um, we wanted to cover all that. Uh, some other news too, uh, related to, uh, the t-shirts and stuff that we've been doing is, you know, we didn't make any t-shirts for a long time this year. Um, we just didn't have a lot of ideas and a lot of them were just kind of whatever. So we never really made any. So we decided to do that, that, uh, Manson shirt 
and uh, which was another fan that had brought it uh, to my attention, the design and all these other things. And um, one of the fans, Louie, on Twitter came up with the hashtag. So we thank him for doing that. And what we ended up doing is putting together a shirt, which a lot of you bought. And it was just weird. Eddie. I get this order from uh, uh, Mr. Manson <laughs> in Canada. And it's a rather large order. I don't want to say how much, but it's a large order. And I'm sitting here going, hmm, who, who is this, right? And I, I know where Josh is from and all this stuff. So I end up sending an email. And I find out that Josh's dad, Dave Manson, who you know also played in the NHL, ordered a whole bunch of shirts. So then I got to thinking, I'm like, you know what? I just, it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> I have the players, you know, parents buying shirts that we made of his son. So I had a, a good conversation back and forth with um, Dave through email and whatnot. And what we decided to do is everybody that's bought a shirt, all the profit's going to go towards the Save Your Skin uh, Foundation, which helps um, fight any kind of uh, skin cancer. Um, and it's a charity that's close to the Manson family. I talked to them and they liked the idea. So we have, um, still a handful of the shirts left on tpnhockey.com. But just so you know, if you want to buy those, uh, donations will go, uh, to that foundation to help fight skin cancer. So it's kind of a good thing. It's just a weird thing, Eddie. Um, you know, like we've talked about before, this this simple <laughs> idea of selling a couple of shirts and it turns into a podcast and a blog and 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 now interaction with uh, you know players, families, and stuff like that. And it's just uh, it's a just a good experience all the way around. Yeah, it's crazy how much it's grown and and how many people we've interacted with since it started. I mean, I didn't expect. I didn't expect any of this when when I first brought the idea up, and you know, to to now have you know to to be able to, to the fact that we interviewed Solani last year, and you know, we were able to talk to Max Jones, and and like you said, interact with with Manson's parents, and and everything that's gone on. It's just it's been crazy. It's been a crazy couple of years, and you know, we're we're expecting to do this for 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 a while. So you know, stick around. It, it it's fun for us, and we're we're you know we're appreciative of everybody who who tunes in every week. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't do this without you guys. So everybody that listens and uh, follows us and reads everything, we really appreciate it. Um, you know, we try to answer as many fan questions as we can and interact with you and um, give you as much information as possible. And, you know, we'll probably do some more of those um, live Facebook uh, broadcasts. I know we'll cover the draft too. We'll have some stuff those days as well. And try to bring you as much information when we find out. Um, you know, when stuff comes up, we try to get it to you as fast as we can. So, uh, you know, it's summertime, unfortunately. Duck season's over. But uh, we'll keep bringing you the news. And as always, let's go Ducks. <laughs>